Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up our treasure chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the winter of 2019-2020. We start by speaking with Salt and Light producer Charles Le Bourgeois and Sarah Desmarais from the Loyola Institute of Ministry. They tell us about the Salt and Light documentary series, As I Have Done, that features the work of religious sisters in Africa. After that, we meet Nate Reinhardt. He's the lead singer for the Catholic band Sonar Worship. In our second half hour, we speak with Mark Brosens of the Archdiocese of Toronto, who tells us about a new initiative to get Catholics to be more engaged politically. And we end the show by reconnecting with singer-songwriter Luke Spihar. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions. Look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We begin with the work of religious sisters in Africa. In East Africa, it's religious sisters who are in the front lines of sustainable development. These women come from different countries and congregations, but they all work for justice, peace, equality, and sustainability. Last year, Salt and Light Media's Charles Le Bourgeois traveled to Tanzania, Uganda, and Kenya to meet some of these sisters who work with the most vulnerable in society in order to improve their lives and to give hope to the younger generation. And those are the stories of the three-part documentary series, As I Have Done. And to tell us more, I am now joined by Charles Le Bourgeois. Charles, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, finally. Thank you, Pedro. I'm very happy to be here, finally. I know, <laughs> after so many years. And uh, joining us on the phone from New Orleans is uh, Sarah Desmarais. Sarah from the Loyola Institute of Ministry. Hello, thanks so much for having me. Sarah, it's good to have you with us. So Sarah, you also were part of this project. Um, l- l- I just have a question for Charles, because Charles... Our, our listeners are just meeting Charles Le Bourgeois for the first time. Charles has traveled all over the world, literally, telling these kinds of stories. But I have a sense, Charles, that this was a little different. Why? Yeah, this one is different um, because we wanted to show how the sister in East Africa, Uganda, Tanzania, um, um, and Kenya, uh, how they uh, participate, how they collaborate uh, to the sustainable development. So this was something very special that I have never done before. Right. And I have to say I have been very, very surprised. It was my first time in Africa. Uh-huh. And, you know, when you see so much poverty, when you see so much um, misery in the world, and at the same time you see so many smiles and so many hope, right. you know, this is something crazy. And I think that's what I learned from this experience. It's that that huge gap between um, the the misery you will see and the big hope that people I met have in their heart. Yeah, it sounds like a, it was a wonderful experience. Sarah, you also had a chance to travel with Charles for this project. The project was sponsored by the Loyola, Loyola Institute for Ministry. Um, why, Sarah, is it important for you guys to tell these stories? Yeah, so this film is actually part of a bigger project um, that we do through the Loyola Institute for Ministry, which is basically our graduate school of theology at Loyola University, New Orleans. Okay. Um, and that project is called Catholic Sisters in Partnership for Sustainability. It's funded by the Conrad and Hilton Foundation, which does great work supporting the work of women religious around the world. Right. Um, and what we were trying to do in this project, we were really starting with the idea that sisters are already doing amazing and transformative work for sustainable development. But not everyone knows those stories, and so sisters don't necessarily have the support that they need to deepen their work, to extend partnerships, 
um, across mm-hmm. different sectors to enhance their ministries. Um, right. So what, why we decided to partner with Salt and Light on this is to get the word out about the beautiful work these sisters are doing that is changing lives and changing communities. Um, it's inspired by faith, and I think really has the potential to inspire faith in others as well. Right. Um, is it true that most of this kind of work is being done by sisters in these countries? Like nobody else is doing this kind of work, or, or is that a myth, Sarah? You know, I think there's actually, there's a lot of energy right now for sustainable development work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing that we 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 um, recognize the sisters are doing is promoting the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Right. And we are working with our students to build their skills because I think we just take for granted that, yes, of course, sisters do this work. You know, they're working with the most poor and the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. There are others doing that work, and we want sisters to be able to partner with those other organizations right. um, to develop those collaborations and extend their impact. Yeah. Um, Charles, you you mentioned that th- this was a little different than some of your other travels, but the first time in Africa, um, was there any one one story or a sister or something that, that really stands out for you? Uh, first of all, uh, Sarah just uh, said that uh, there is some people who don't even know what sisters are doing uh, over there in those countries for those uh, little ones. Yeah. I think most of people don't even know what they do. Yeah. And it is our mission as a, as a Catholic journalist, as a Catholic media, to show uh, what they are doing. Because if we don't do that, who else will yes. do? No one. So I think that's a, a, a huge mission and responsibility uh, to show what, how, how they are serving uh, the one who are in need. And that's what they did like very well through education, how they fight against uh, poverty, yeah. against hunger, um, how they built a sustainable farm. So in different dimensions, they will, mm-hmm. each of them, bring something to change the future, to change the world, you know, in their own uh, capacity and how they will bring hope to people who didn't have at some point hope yeah. anymore. And this is, uh, this is very touching. Um, you're asking me... <coughs> Yeah, what if stands have, out? You know what? Uh, we, f- we filmed nine stories in uh-huh. three different countries and meeting different kind of congregation. It's very, very, very difficult to tell you one specific story just because all of them were amazing. You yeah. know, I have been touched by all the smiles I have seen. I don't, I, I don't say that to, to be cheesy, you know, but yeah. I'm, I'm very honest and I, I speak with my heart. <laughs> yeah. And the day I, 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 I arrived in that country, when I saw those kids running towards us and yelling full of joy and happiness, right. and I was just wondering, how come those people with nothing can be so happy while yeah. we are spending our time complaining? And even mm. though we have everything, you know, so it helps you to... To put everything in perspective, yeah. and uh, you know, when I came back here, I was just like, well, maybe my, the effort I have to, to 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 make now it's just to to think about those people because they have something to teach, literally. Yeah, it's very true, and I guess through the film, our viewers can can also have that experience. Sarah, is there any one story? I know it's not the first time for you in Africa, but any story that really st- stood out from working on this project? Yeah, you know, I think I. <laughs> like Charles, I would have a hard time choosing just one, um, and I have to be careful too because some of the stories feature our Loyola students, so right. I shouldn't play favorites. Um, but you know, in general, I think what I love about this film, um, and you know, that Charles is alluding to, is we do we want to share these stories, and I think that we're not 
just sharing stories of what people might expect from sisters. You know, people, of course, we know sisters work in healthcare and they run schools mm-hmm. and they work with children, mm-hmm. but these sisters are also advocating for justice and yes. transforming communities as leaders. Um, you know, we've got a story of a sister who has developed a Christian rite of passage as an alternative to female genital mutilation. Wow. And she's really advocating for a transformed culture mm-hmm. um, that better supports girls and women's health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think stories like that, or like one of our Loyola students who's a professor um, advocating for interfaith dialogue um, right. in Kenya, which has had interreligious violence. Um, these women's stories are so inspiring to me, and mm-hmm. they you know, go beyond kind of stereotypes of what we might think of as sisters. Yeah, work. absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. I mean, truly, these are wonderful, strong women. Um, so the, the, the series, it's three parts. It's called As I Have Done. There are three, as I said, three episodes, Sisters for Sustainability, Sisters for Peace and Justice, and Sisters for Equality. And they're all going to be available for streaming for free during the season of Lent at our website, saltandlighttv.org slash as I have done. Um, Maybe a last question for the for the two of you, starting with Charles. What seems like a silly question, but but what do you hope people will get or take from watching this series? Uh, I hope they will question themselves. What mm. can I do myself to change uh, whatever is around to make it better? Mm-hmm. And that's the question I ask to myself. And I am um, not a sister. I'm not running any organization. I have no finance to to build anything. But I think with a simple smile, you can make something happy, you know. And I think that's something you happiness. It's something that can be contagious, yes. you know. So just maybe uh, walking on the street, you see someone who does not seem to be happy, like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. Just give a smile, you know, and that's it. You know, if at least you do that, it's going to be better for that person and uh, for the society. That's true. And for you, Sarah, what are your hopes for, for people for watching this film? So I hope what comes across is that these sisters are really in touch with the poor and vulnerable in their communities, um, and they're really prayerful about the needs of the people around them and how they can best respond to those needs. Um, And I think that's what all of us as people of Mm -hmm. faith are called to do in our own unique context, which viewers of this film may have social contexts that look very different from these sisters, Um, but we are still called to respond to the poor around us in whatever way we can. Right. Um, so I hope that this film inspires that. And I also know that through social media, Salt and Light is going to be doing a Lenten challenge promoting the works of mercy. Yes, we are. To this film. Yeah, so there's, that's a great resource, I think, if people want to take these stories of sisters and pray with them throughout the season of Lent. Um, Salt Light is offering some great resources yeah. for that. Yeah, that's great. And we'll be sharing more of that uh, throughout the program. Um, thank you both, Charles, for making the film. Sarah, thank you for your partnership. And uh, and yeah, I really encourage people to take advantage of this uh, special and, and watch all three episodes of As I Have Done. Thank you both. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you. Sarah DeMarais is the Hilton Grant Administrator at the Loyola Institute for Ministry, and Charles Le Bourgeois is the producer of the new Salt and Light Media documentary series, As I Have Done. The series was produced in partnership with the Loyola Institute for Ministry and supported by the Conrad M. Hilton Foundation. Here now is Sonar Worship with their single, Remember Abraham.
That was Sonar Worship with their still unreleased single, Remember Abraham. Sonar Worship is a five-person band from St. Paul, Minnesota. They take their roots from electronic dance music, rock, pop, and even bluegrass. But they are just as good leading worship and animating a big rally as they are with mass or traditional hymns. Sonar Worship has a few singles and one extended play, an EP titled Magnified. And to tell us more, I'm now joined by the lead singer, Nate Reinhardt. Nate, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks so much for having me. So uh, I guess I want to know, how did the how did the band form? Were you guys like playing at mass? And is that how, because a lot of the, I find that a lot of the Catholic groups, that's how they started. Um, how did you guys yeah, come that's together? A, that's a great question. We, uh, we formed uh, quite a while ago. Um, I actually wasn't in the band when we formed. In oh, fact, yeah? uh, none of us, except really? for we have one remaining member from when, from when we started, which is um, 
my co-singer um, and, and our keyboardist, which is Caroline Metzinger. Right, okay. And she started the band when she was working for uh, Net Ministries here okay. in St. Paul. Uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. So then is it is part of the idea that there are always members kind of coming in and going out, like graduating? Or is it just that people came and went and you guys... How long has this current band been, like you got these five people been together? Yeah, our current band has been together for about six years. And okay. I'd say it's just kind of been an organic thing that people have, have come and gone. Right. Um, but the stability that we've had for the last six years has been... It's it's just really truly amazing to to be with a group of people to work together to minister together to right. worship together and be in long long van rides together um, <laughs> just to have that same group of people uh, yeah. is is absolutely a blessing. So why the name Sonar? I get worship, but why Sonar worship? Um, like- yeah. So um, be honest with you, I I wasn't in the band when we started this part, but um, <laughs> to hear Caroline talk about it, it is really beautiful. But um, the idea is that in, in worship, we're kind of providing sight through sound in the same way that um, a, okay. a sonar, you know, sends out sound waves and, and can give you a map of the ocean floor. Uh-huh. Um, the hope is that in our worship, we're, we're providing sight and enlightenment through sound. Um, and so that's the name Sonar Worship. Wow, that's really interesting. How did you uh, get come to join the band then? Yeah, um, I was uh, working um, up here in a parish, and one of my good friends from college had kind of gotten connected with the band and uh, was uh, asked to join. And uh, man, it's been a it's been an amazing, amazing journey um, right. to to be in a band and and now lead it, even though I, I wasn't the the starting uh, founding member. Right. Um, Right. But uh, to enter a spirit and uh, that, that Caroline really started has been uh, really awesome. Uh-huh. Were you doing your own music before the, the band? Um, yeah. So I had I was uh, just kind of fresh out of college and um, working um, at a parish doing youth ministry and, and music. And yeah. so um, that was kind of the connection to uh, to enter the band. Right. And and uh, I'm assuming, did you grow up Catholic? Were you Was that part of your experience growing up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I, I had it um, kind of in my head, even from uh, being a junior in high school, that I would be involved in worship and uh, working in the church and liturgical music. Um, I went to college with that as a mission um, rather than trying to decide what I was going to do. That was um, really on my heart from an early time. Yeah. So were you, did you grow up uh, also doing music as well? Was that, Were you in like a musical family kind of thing or...? We're we are not a, a musical family. My mom, uh, we have a piano in the house, and my mom uh, would yeah. play it a little bit. But um, we're not a musical family at all. I uh, no, kind of was on my own, but very very encouraged in in uh, in doing music. Right. Um, but, but, and you're you're the, you're sorry, just to be sure. So you're you're the lead singer, and you play guitar as well, right? Um, That's correct. Uh, of your own music. How much? Like, how does that work now that you're with a band? Did you bring some of your own material? Like, hey, I have this song that maybe works good as a band. Uh, uh, how is that? Tell me a little bit about that creative process. Working it with a with a group of of uh, other yeah. people. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think I was a good enough songwriter on my <laughs> own to, to bring something to the band. Okay, um, I have really uh, benefited from being in a group. 
um, and doing that songwriting together. Uh-huh. Um, when we, we put together this most recent EP, Magnified, um, yeah. we did it in a bunch of kind of different groups. We brought in kind of friends who aren't part of the band, um, who live here in, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Right. Um, Connor Flanagan is an artist, as some oh, yeah. people may know. And then Abe uh-huh. Gross um, is, a, is a local guy, and, and we got to, to write with them. And uh, huh. it, it was a, just it's just a wonderful wonderful experience you yeah know, for the first part of the band we really were doing almost all cover music and it was um two or three years ago that we um felt like we weren't getting the music that we wanted to worship with okay um and uh that really led us into songwriting so i i'm glad you mentioned connor flanagan because we're actually going to be featuring him on the show in a couple of weeks so uh, uh we've never had him i'm just meeting him uh, thanks to ali alia again uh, probably you know her too um i was i was playing in her band last night so okay Ali's, so there you Ali's go absolutely so, wonderful <laughs> yeah she's good and she's been on the show and we're going to also bring her back in the next couple of weeks um did you feel so you were saying that you felt that that it was time to start writing together and and that was kind of what drove the idea of an album because the album would be all the original songs right yeah um in a lot of ways we were um i say that we weren't getting the kind of music that we we wanted or needed um which was really um to to have some female-led songs that are Uh was something that we 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 just we weren't getting from other sources. Yeah, so if you listen to the EP, you'll hear Caroline yeah. just ripping out these wonderful vocals on on upbeat things that are female led. Yes, um, and so that was a big driver is that we didn't have that. We would we go to places and either we'd have to take a song that was originally um, done by a man and and switch it to a, a female key, or um, or I would end up doing a lot of the upbeat stuff, and Caroline would do the slow stuff, and we we didn't like that. We we wanted the to have something that had some more female-led stuff. So that was a big impetus um, to, to putting the EP together was we, huh. we felt there was a need in the church for um, some upbeat female-led songs, but also um, just songs that were fun. Um, yeah. yeah. Songs that were fun. When, when I started um, songwriting, I, I took myself so seriously, and um, almost all my songs were, were very, very depressing and sad. Um, and and they they had to be overly serious, and I, I think it was a um, a revelation that 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 we had as a band that that music can be fun, yeah. Um, that worship can be fun, mm-hmm. um, and it, it doesn't have to be so incredibly serious or overly theological. Um, though yeah. I feel like we have that too. Uh, you featured our "Remember Abraham" track, which is yes. pretty theological. Um, but uh, we we really the impetus was was to have some fun in, in the songwriting and this yeah. music. No, it is fun, and in fact, we're going to end the show by playing one of those upbeat songs that Caroline sings, "Wild and Untamed." Um, but since you mentioned "Remember Abraham," so that's not released yet, which makes me think that you guys are already working on a new album. You know. Um, we uh, we are working on some songs. We're in the early process of, of songwriting. Uh, Remember, Abraham is something that we've kind of had in a back burner. We're trying to really decide if it fits the sound of what we're doing right now okay. um, before we release it. But we wanted to include it because um, it uh, just so well ma- matches the season of Lent. Um, right. It's, yeah, it's, it does. It's pulled from the Office of Readings from a homily that, that happens in the Office of Readings on Holy Thursday. Huh. And... Um, and it just kind of uh, felt that season, and we, we wanted to feature something that was a little bit slower and, and in the spirit of Lent. 
Good. Okay. Well, good. I'm still, you kind of avoided my question there about the new album. So <laughs> I'm sure that when you're ready to, oh, yeah. to, <laughs> to have a new album, we'll let us, let us know. Cause we, we really like we the will. music. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, really looking forward to, uh, uh, hearing more uh, from you guys because it's really good. I'm so uh, and and I must give a shout out to Ali Aliyah because she's really connected us with a lot of wonderful artists that we'd never even heard of. So thanks to her and through this program, so many more people are hearing about all these great Catholic groups that are doing wonderful, wonderful music like you guys, Sonar Worship. So, uh, so this has been really good. Thank you uh, for sharing a little bit with us today, Nate, and for sharing your music with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Nate Reinhardt is the lead singer of the band Sonar Worship. You can find all about them, listen to and purchase their music, and book them for your event, which they will make fun for sure at their website, sonarworship.com. Here now to take us out is Sonar Worship with Wild and Untamed from their album Magnified. to Sonar Worship with Wild and Untamed from their album Magnified. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can follow me at Deacon Pedro or visit us at saltandlighttv.org. This is the best of edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Coming up, how to be politically engaged and music by Luke Spihar. So stay tuned.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. All of us have been sold on the idea that separation of church and state means that religion and faith has no place in politics and government. We think that faith is private and that there is no place for faith in the public square. But is that what it means? Shouldn't Catholics and people of faith be politically engaged? The Archdiocese of Toronto thinks so, and that's why they've initiated parish action. And to tell us more, earlier this week I had a visit from Mark Brosens, Communications Manager of the Archdiocese of Toronto. Mark, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. It's great to be here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, yeah, it's I'm good honored. to have you, actually. So so ex- I just want to go back to p- people hear this phrase, separation of church and mm-hmm. state. Yeah. And I, I think you would agree with me that we don't know what that means. <laughs> what does it actually mean? Well, I think it means different things for different people, you know, like to a certain extent, like I think the thing that we have to keep in mind, we're talking about the separation of church and state is for a lot of people, what they actually mean when they say that is they want a separation of of religion from politics, uh-huh. you know, sort of thing. So there's a certain people out there who are skeptical of the role that we play in society. And I think the thing that what we're trying to say at the Archdiocese of Toronto is that part of living the gospel is going out in the community and making the world a better place, caring about the common good. So you think that that people think that separation of church and state means that I cannot or a politician cannot bring his faith into his work? Yeah, and people of faith And that people of faith cannot be engaged politically. Yeah, I think some people want... Uh, you know, the public sphere to be a completely secular space. And I think one of the things they forget about that, and like the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor talked uh-huh. about this a bit, right. is that secularization is to a certain extent, it's kind of like a religion of its own. You know, it has these it values is. It built is. a into belief it. system. And so yeah. I don't think that there's anything wrong with people of faith who are doing so much to make their community a better place to start off with using that faith to go and interact in the political sphere. I think that's good for everybody. Right. So, uh, I mean, obviously you would suggest, and and, and, uh, most, if not all, of our listeners are Catholic. You would say that if you're Catholic, our faith demands or says, like a Catholic church teaches, that we should be engaged politically? Yeah, totally. And I think that there's a long history of thinking this in the Catholic church. I think if you look at the gospel, you know, Jesus is not just saying that, you know, your faith isn't about, you know, making you as a person a a better person and Uh keeping that all in yourself. No, Jesus said to go out and and, and be a missionary to make the world a better place. Right. So it goes back to the gospel. But, you know, I I think if you look at the history of Catholic social teaching, which is something I think in the church we sometimes forget about, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's this really rich treasure that that isn't talked about enough in the church. It goes back to like the 1890s where Pope Leo the uh, the 13th was telling us, hey, look, people have to be at the center of all the decisions that are made in the political realm. We can't lose lose sight of the fact that people have dignity and that people's uh, dignity and self-worth have to be at the center of the political equation and in the center of, of, of the economy. And so if you have these values that are important and that the, 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 the Gospels are telling us that have to be in the center of how a community works, then mm-hmm. I think it's really important that like the political reality, the political landscape that's out there reflects that. And how else do you do that other than getting people of faith out there involved in the yeah. political process? Now, in the past, uh, the Archdiocese of Toronto has had events under the, the umbrella of what we call faith in the public square yes. that I think is part of what, what this means. But you 
uh, or the Archdiocese has started a new initiative. We're calling it the Parish Action. Correct. Um, and that is, it's a political engagement. So we're trying to, you're trying to, well, maybe I should ask you what, what, <laughs> it, what is it, the, what's the Parish Action? So what we're trying to do is, uh, in the past, the Archdiocese of Toronto has had, you know, priests, the cardinal, uh, staff members like myself yes. go and meet with politicians and have conversations with them about, you know, this is what we're seeing in the community. You know, we're okay. kind of boots on the ground when it comes to social issues. And this is what we're seeing. And this is how we think you could, you know, help people. Yeah. What we're trying to do with the Parish Action Initiative is kind of take it a step further and say, you know, we have all these parishioners who do amazing work in the community. They're doing volunteer work. They're they're living in their communities, their wards, their ridings, their constituencies. They see stuff. They know stuff. Yeah. But a lot of them are kind of scared or intimidated to kind of go out there and kind of interact with politicians yeah. and, and say, hey, I'm seeing this. This is a solution that I think that would make the entire community better. So what we're trying to do is encourage them to actually go out there and do that. So we're doing that in a couple ways. First of all, we're just asking them to do that. And I think to a certain extent, that's part of the problem that we have in the political world right now. It's not enough people are tapping other good people on the shoulder and saying, okay. hey, go Thank out and make you. a difference. Yeah. And the other thing that we're doing is we're trying to give them resources to help them understand right. how the yeah. political process works and how they can be effective in that yeah. space because it's an alien world for a lot of people. Well, I, I was going to ask you about that, and I want to get to some of these tips, resources, yeah, okay, uh, so that maybe we can get some of our listeners. Uh, as, as you know, in the United States, yep. and a lot of our listeners are in the United States, they're in the middle of an election right now, and they need to be engaged. Here in Canada, we have a whole bunch of issues that yeah. concern us, but I think that you're not just talking about certain religious or faith if I'm doing the quotes, uh, yeah. faith issues. Um, but I was going to ask you, do you think that people are scared or afraid to, to engage a politician or, a, or an elected repre representative because we've been sold on the idea that they are all anti-faith or that they're against us? I think they're the enemy. I think it's some of that. I think there's a larger social problem happening here as well in that people are, are, are disengaging from the political, political process in a number of ways. You know, people who are subscribing to a newspaper, way down. People right. who are party members, way down. Uh -huh. People who show up and vote, way down. So there's that general overall withdrawing from the political process, I mm -hmm. think, that's happening across North American society. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, yeah, it kind of goes back to the separation of church and state thing that we started talking about in the beginning. And I, I think in some societies, we're made to feel that, you know, going out and trying to do work with your faith in, in the public square is something that you should almost be ashamed of. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's unfortunate. I think that's not right because I think that we have a lot of like here in the Catholic Church, we have two millennia of wisdom yeah. and values built into us that helps guide our work and helps guide how we see society. And, you know, I think we could draw on that to, to go out and work with people. But, right. you know, I think that is a thing that we need to overcome, not mm -hmm. being scared not being of, of, of yeah. professing that faith. Yeah. And I would say that, at least in my experience, most of them are not anti-faith. You know, if you have yeah. a good and you're totally. reasonable about it. So that's why I want to get to the tips. So we don't have a lot of times, but maybe, you know, your top three five maybe tips of how if people want to engage their elected representative what uh, what kind of things should they keep in mind I think okay, I'll do three okay. okay I think the first thing is just do it because I think a lot of people uh, they get worried or scared about doing these things for a variety of reasons and I think you make a great point that 
you know, most politicians, they won't recoil if you're a person of faith and you go talk to them as right. a member of faith community. They are, you're their boss to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Like they got elected, elected by them. you. Yeah. So even if they, they don't like your faith perspective, they like your vote. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And most people aren't going out and doing this. So if you do, you're going to be one of the few people yeah. who's doing it. So yeah. that's a huge impact. Yes. So just, just try. You don't have to be perfect. Just do it. Two, uh, it's what the uh, Archbishop of Toronto, Carl, Cardinal Collins, Thomas Collins, says all the time. Yes. Flubbing the boss's name, I'm yes. sorry. Yes, yeah. Uh, you know, act with clarity and charity. Right. Uh, we too often demonize other people who we don't agree with, we don't see eye to eye with. Treat everybody like they're a person that's worthy of respect and dignity. Right. And present your position to them in a way that makes sense and is clear, and you'll right. go a long way. Yeah. And last tip I have is just have a plan. Do your research. Um, you know, most people don't put thought into their political positions. Mm -hmm. Most people don't go do anything about it either. So if yeah. you do a little bit of research, you treat the person that you're meeting with with the respect that they will have a position that's possibly different than yours, but you can come up with arguments and facts that may get you guys closer together. Exactly. That's going to go such a long way. Exactly. So. Exactly. And I was just going to say, um, every other interest group is meeting with politicians. Totally. You know, the dairy farmers, what was it that you're, the, 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 the oh, people yeah. who want the four-day four weekend. weekend. Yeah. And if they're taking, you know, we can do it too because I hate to see ourselves as an interest group. But but I guess we are. Well, um, but we're constituents. Yeah, as as Catholics here in Canada, you know, we're more than a third of the population, That's right? True. So it's a That's thing. True. It's like you know, are we an interest group or are we just a bunch of uh, citizens who see the the world the same way and have the same values? That's true. There's nothing That's wrong true. with having like um, you know uh, solidarity with other yeah. people in your community. There's nothing wrong with being guided by values, and there's nothing wrong when those values are guided by faith. Absolutely. So archtoronto.org slash parish action slash parish action. It's not quite ready yet, but it will be soon. very soon. And very, there's going to be soon. lots of resources, uh, videos, so that people can get more tips if they want to be more engaged politically. So we'll keep reminding people. So that's archtoronto.org slash parish action. Mark Brosens, thank you for sharing a little bit of that with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We spoke with Mark Brosens earlier this week. He is the communications manager of the Archdiocese of Toronto. If you want to learn more about parish action or learn some more of those tips that Mark mentioned, go to archtoronto.org slash parish action. To listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org, and look for the Salt and Light Hour. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Luke Spihar, with The Champion, from his album, Be Still. Well, I can climb mountains, I can swim oceans, I can run anywhere I please. I can be the champion, I will grow It lies in you. In the brightness, in the darkness of any day, in any high, oh, I may face it. 
Climb mountains, I can swim oceans, I can run anywhere I please. I can be the champion. I will go wherever you call. For I know my strength lies. For I know my strength. That was Luke Spihar with The Champion from his album Be Still. We first met Luke Spihar in 2014. Luke's Luke's music is fairly unique. He has produced four albums, the first one Be Still, while he was still in high school. Luke toured with Grammy Award winner Ben Harper, who produced his third album, All His Gift, in 2015. And with the debut of his last album, The Pilgrim, he paid us another visit here on the Salt and Light Hour. Now, Luke is in the middle of a tour, a Lenten tour, and so we thought we'd catch up with him to see what he's up to. And uh, Luke now joins us from somewhere in, in, in Kentucky. Luke, in, in some bourbon factory in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> So um, good to be back with you, Deacon Pedro. I know it's great. So you, um, the the pilgrim. Uh, did I get that right? The pilgrim was two years ago. Um, yep, that's right. Yep. So and you spent all that 
I mean, the time since then, I know you, you've had a, a, a new daughter was born. And so there's, there's that happening, but you've been doing shows and parish missions. Do you feel that maybe that's kind of the season in your life? You're, you're, you're called more to do live performances rather than recording? Yeah, I think that, um, just as I've, as I've been able to kind of put some thoughts together, almost like, um, almost like a, speaker would you know because the, the the stories behind the songs just yeah there's so much richness there so mm-hmm. just being able to kind of tell how the lord inspired the music really creates for a pretty compelling message and and yeah. especially with the pilgrimage uh from the camino and then just kind of life as wow. a pilgrimage yes. it, it just seems to line up perfectly with some of the right the themes of kind of a lenten pilgrimage to easter advent uh-huh. pilgrimage to christmas so yeah that's that's definitely one of the seasons the lord has me in right now yeah so when you go to a parish um what what sort of uh, what does it look like what do you offer yeah so i i uh it's evolved over the years you know i used to just do kind of a parish concert mm-hmm. which had a lot of music mostly music and a little bit of talking and mm-hmm. as it as it evolved uh, you know, I'll kind of share a bit more of a, a driving message mm-hmm. um, and let the music kind of drive the message home in, in a way. So mm-hmm. um, oftentimes what this will look like is, you know, kind of a, an hour-long concert kind of presentation that, that sometimes shifts into kind of an, an hour of adoration and holy, and, uh, and worship. Mm-hmm. And, and then, but it can go either way. You know, sometimes it can be just a, a long holy hour like I'll do tonight here right. in Kentucky. right. And um, and then kind of meditation around uh, the the Lord in the Eucharist and right or or you know and do the you, other way might just be a big concert where it's mostly music so right would you kind of the whole spectrum would you frame it around like maybe a parish mission like I know you do those yeah, so certainly. like like a Lenten mission yeah. doing, is that what you're doing a lot now these Lenten missions yeah 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 Lenten and Advent missions has been kind of the theme of my work for yeah maybe the last two years so yeah that's and it's been so rich you know it's just it's been wonderful to be able to come and spend a little more time with the parish in that way you know you kind of get to know people because yeah. they're coming out maybe two or three times depending on how long the mission is right so that yeah you're right and, so uh, would you do a mission like over the weekend like maybe even play at some of the masses and then do do the mission at on the at the Sunday night kind of thing or, or yeah. over a period of yeah. a couple days yeah typically yeah. yeah it would be something like a Friday yeah uh, or actually, you know, Friday through Sunday, or even Sunday through Tuesday. Sometimes yeah. is often, you know, the case. And yeah, um, but yeah, oftentimes I'll come in, and maybe even do something like a Wednesday for the for the uh, youth program, mm-hmm. and then like a Friday night or a Thursday night for you know like a more of a talk, and then a Friday night might be a holy hour. Right. So yeah, a little bit of everything. the Lord's really kind of opened up a lot of those uh-huh. uh, different ways of ministering over the years. Yeah. And, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Um, Lent, I, I mean, I know as a you know my kids are all grown up, but as a, as a as a as a parent with with a young family, how how is that Lenten season for you guys? It's not Advent seems to be a little more exciting yeah. for kids, but how do you find that you're making <laughs> Lent work out with with the three girls and and your wife? Yeah, you know it's really interesting remembering back. Uh, as a kid and like Lent would come along and it just seemed like a big wet blanket. You're like, Oh mm, man, mm-hmm. Lent, you know? And this year on Ash Wednesday, um, my oldest who is, she's four, mm-hmm. 
was so she was so excited that Lent was here. She's like, you know, like Ash Wednesday, and she's like, let's make pancakes. Lent has started. (laughs) And I was like, okay, you know, like that's kind of a cool way to Mm -hmm. to enter into the season with with kids that young. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's that's right. This is this is a, a season for us to remember what the Lord's given but also remember the destination that we're all heading toward, which is Easter Sunday and the mm-hmm. resurrection. So mm-hmm. the beginning of a, a season that might be a little bit more somber, but at the same point, I, I don't think we need to be afraid of it. So we've, as a family, to try to really enter into the season, we're just really focusing on um, reading Scripture every night and reflecting on the uh, salvation history, hmm. you know, in, in kind of short little uh, right. blurbs that we've, and, and doing some artwork as we're listening to the oh, Bible yeah. as it's being read and hanging that artwork on a on a tree. <laughs> right. And it's just been really cool. That's a great it's been idea. Really, uh, yeah. A beautiful meditation. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah, and the kids can be drawing uh, while they're listening to the story. That's a great idea. Now, um, they're with you right now. You travel with the family. Is that how's that coming? How's that working? Yeah, I mean, it's been one of my wife's and I just kind of. It's been kind of a resolve uh, that with this music ministry that it just doesn't it doesn't take away from the family too much. Mm-hmm. And um, one way we get around that is that we just travel together, right? And uh, which takes a lot of courage and a, and a tremendous amount of planning uh, yeah. from all of us, and then just kind of like jumping right into it. So my wife is she's really the hero when it comes to all of that. We yeah. we've been on the road now for a little over a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're touring out of a small minivan right now, just because it's the it's what we've got. Yeah, we're looking for something bigger. <laughs> okay. And uh, but yeah, you just like you know, one of one of my wife's Elizabeth's best ideas is just to create a little kind of fun box with all sorts of little crafts and stuff that the kids get to right um, pick through every morning and evening if we're on the road that long, mm-hmm. and they get all excited about it. Can we can we pick from the, from right. the fun box and. And then they have a little craft that, that occupies their time for, for a uh-huh. little while. Try to keep the screen time to a minimum and just of course. have conversation or look out the window. So yeah. it's been really, moments have been have been stressful and other moments are about as rich as it gets. So Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, do you do you involve them at all in the parish mission or they're too small and your wife, maybe that's not where you guys are at right now? <laughs> yeah, it's you know what we try to do is kind of at least let the parish meet them one night. Yeah, and they're kind of running all directions. In yeah. fact, the other night I was playing for mass, and my two-year-old saw that I was playing, so she said, "Dad," and started running up to the, the <laughs> choir section while mass is starting. And then my four-year-old was going the opposite direction to get some water. And uh, at that great. time, my wife was trying to breastfeed our, our newborn, so it was just this. <laughs> And I'm just up there singing my song exactly. still, you know, and I just thought how fitting this is, you know. That's just, great. That's great. So well, they, I love it. You know, I think I think that the parish can just see uh that the Lord makes a way mm-hmm. even though it might be more mm-hmm. challenging or it takes a lot more creative God or creativity. God God really provides. And I think that's yes. the witness we really bring is just yeah, the Lord's it's true. providing and we're we're taking this one day at a time. It's true. It's true. Now, you mentioned that you're in Kentucky, and I'm just going to say some dates because people might be listening and thinking, you know, is Luke coming where we are? I know at the end of the month, March 28th, you're going to be in Medford, Wisconsin, uh, April 3rd in Pittsburgh, Kansas, April 11th 
Lee's Summit, Kansas, uh, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Is that on the same day? Maybe I got the wrong dates. Um, then May 1st in Mesa, Arizona, and May 25th, you're back at home in St. Paul. Um, that, that's, that's home, right? Um, and you're that's doing correct, your, yeah. your Never Forget Memorial Day concert. That uh, Yeah. So um, all that information is on Luke's website. I'm going to leave that information with you guys later, but it's also on our site, so you can find it easily. Luke, I'm going to leave it there because um, you're you got family and uh, and Kentucky bourbon to uh, to purchase. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's been great reconnecting. And uh, hey, maybe we can find a, a way to have you bring drive the minivan north and come to Canada. Um, I'm, I'm for it. Do we some do parish it. missions over here. Hmm. Let's do it. That would be great. Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's always an honor to reconnect. So yes. Thank you so much. Excellent. For you're yes. Doing. God bless. Okay. You can learn more about Luke Spihar, purchase his music, and book him for your parish mission at his website, lukespihar.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. And to listen to this interview again or for the rest of the program, go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Luke Spihar with. To St. Michael from his album No Other Way. When she just on St. Michael, come protect me for I see the dark one is closing in. No, I fell for my might, I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle alone. Call out your angel, Saint Michael, to surround me, for I see the dark one with his army. But here the angels are with their hands on the hilts. Nothing will stand in their way. Call out your angel, Saint Michael, to surround me, for I feel the dark one's hands are on me. Though I try with all my might, I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle alone. We're listening to Luke Spihar with To St. Michael from his album No Other Way. And that concludes the special best of edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn all about Salt and Light and support what we do at our website, saltandlighttv.org. We can't do what we do without your support. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thank you for listening to the special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pepper. In their way. Call out your rain of Saint Michael to surround me, for I feel the dark one's hands are on me. Though I try with all my might, I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle alone. Can you?
see my brother's battles raging around us. We are the men to hold the front line. If I trip and fall, ask help from you all to help me stand and fight for humankind. When the battle's said and done, we will see the rising sun and know that our efforts were not in vain. For here we stand, happy men of God. For we'll know. That the devil has been slain. Oh, your ain't a saint, Michael, to surround me. For I see the dark waters closing in. Oh, I try with all my might. I'm losing this fight. I am not strong enough in battle. No, I am not strong enough in battle. Oh, I am not strong enough in battle. Oh,